0: Well, welcome to week... Number one of a six-part series we're calling from this day forward. Uh, Valentine's is Friday. You're welcome, gentlemen, for the reminder. Uh, It seemed like an appropriate time to do a series on relationships. And just trust me, you don't want to miss a single installment. Even if all your relationships are rocking, I find there's usually some room for improvement somewhere. And I know this is not the easiest series to sit through. And so I'm going to try to bring in as much humor and spice as possible to make it palatable. Uh, I want to start with a joke. I read about a married couple who uh, was in their early 60s. 60s. In the early 60s, they've been married 35 years, and they're celebrating over dinner together, a romantic dinner at a restaurant, and while uh, <laughs> they're seat, seated at dinner, a little fairy appears on the table, and the fairy says, hey, I just want to congratulate you two. You've been married 35 years, been faithful to each other. Uh, you all have an amazing marriage, and so I'm going to grant each of you a wish. And so uh, the woman said, wow, that, what, what a great honor, and she said, you know, I've always wanted to travel the world with my husband. I think that would be so much fun to travel the world with my husband. And so uh, the fairy said, your wish is my command. And so waved the magic wand and two uh, cruise tickets to the Queen Mary Luxury Cruise liner appeared in her hand and go, awesome, this is so great. And so the fairy looked at the man and says, what is your wish? And he said, well, the <laughs> it's real romantic and everything, but I mean, this only happens once in a lifetime to get a wish like this and Honey, I'm sorry, but I, I wish I was married to someone 30 years younger. And uh, yeah, that's what the wife said. And, and uh, the wife and fairy were a little disappointed going, really? And the fairy said, well, a wish is a wish. And so, waved the magic wand and the man became 92 years old. So, there you go. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> All right. This series is called From This Day Forward. And uh, for a couple of reasons, one is there's a pastor, Craig Rochelle at Life Church, one of the biggest churches in the country, wrote a book called From This Day Forward with amazing marriage principles. We're going to be looking at that over the next six weeks together. Uh, It really is great content, makes for a great sermon series. But the other reason I wanted to call it this series and this title is Because of Lamentations 3, 19 through 23. This is Jeremiah lamenting. He's kind of depressed. And he says, I remember my affliction and my wandering the bitterness and the gall. So he he says, I look back on my life and I realize I've been totally off the grid. I was in trouble all of the time. He says, I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. And most of us have experienced bad things in our past. Maybe we've made bad choices or someone else made bad choices that affected us in some way. But I love the title of this series From This Day Forward. It's this idea of like, yes, we have these problems, but I... I'm going forward. It's from, I'm putting a stake in the ground today. It's from this day forward. 1 Corinthians 13 is, is the love chapter. And it says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. All these great descriptors of love, biblical love. And then it says, love keeps no record of wrongs. And that's the biggest one for me. Because I know we all have wrongs. We've done wrong. We've had wrong against us. And, th- and we're not talking about that today. We're putting a stake in the ground saying, from this day forward, right? And the verse continues. It says, and therefore I have hope. That's the hope. We've all been hurt. and I, Listen, I can't, I can't undo my yesterdays. And when you remind me of the past and the sin that I've committed, I, it's, it brings me to a place of shame and guilt. It doesn't, it's, not, it's not good. And I can't do anything about that, but I can do something about today. And I can do something about tomorrow. So that's the whole purpose of this series is from this day forward. And then it says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So your compassions never fail. That's the NIV. If you look at the old King James Version, it says his mercies are new every morning. Hey, look into my eyes and hear me say this. We serve a God who wants to give you a a blank page. We serve a God who wants to give you a fresh start in your relationships. We serve a God who's a from this day forward kind of God. And I know these series are not always easy to sit through. I get that. Because some of you have been trying to save your marriage. And you've sat through series like this before. But let me just encourage you by reminding you, His mercies never fail. And they're new every morning. Amen, anybody? That's the God that we serve. So we're just going to trust Him. So here's the question of the series that we're going to try to answer. Is are great marriages even possible? Are great marriages even possible? To which Some of you would probably say, well, read in movies and in fairy tales. But let's be honest, nobody has a great marriage, not even you, Pastor Reed. I mean, we all have problems and we have issues and we're just trying to endure our marriage. We're not enjoying our marriage, we're enduring our marriage. And I could not disagree more. You can have a great marriage. God has a plan for you to have a great marriage, but I'll tell you this, it's not likely. Statistics are are stacked against you. In fact, odds are, even for Christian couples, that you have about a 50-50 shot of making it. Think about it. There's not another area of life where you would accept those odds. But for some reason, in the area of marriage, we've kind of said, that's normal. Oh, that's fine. Like, if you were on an airplane and the, the pilot came over the intercom and said... Ladies and gentlemen, we got a 50% chance of finding your destination and landing the plane safely, and a 50% chance of crashing into a mountain. You would get off the plane. There's no way you're going to ride that plane. If you had a 50-50 chance that if you walked out of your house today, you would be attacked by bears. How many of you know our Facebook Live audience would be a little higher today? You'd be staying home. I ain't getting out of the house, right? We don't accept those odds in any other area of our life, but with our marriages, we go, "Eh." (laughs) man. Stop accepting such sorry odds for your relationships and start doing something about it. In fact, I'm going to give you five things you can do about it from this day forward. I'm going to give you all five right now. I rarely do this. This is the whole series unpacked right now. You ready? You're getting all five weeks right here. Write them down. Number one, we're going to seek God. That's what we're talking about today. You've got to seek God together. I'm going to show you how this right here is the number one essential to relationships. I see that black's a little hard to read. I'll change it next week. Next week, we're going to talk about how to have fun. How to, and I, This is going to be a fun one. I'll just give you a little disclaimer on this one. This is the romance message. It's going to be Valentine's weekend. It'll be really good. So in having fun, we're going to talk about romance, which means if you have kids under 13, we're going to have something else for them to do next week, okay, in another room. We're going to send them to the Family Life Center because we're going to get a little PG-13 in here. You know what I'm saying? I just got some guy's attention. What was that? What day was that? What was that, baby? Right? <laughs> Guys, I'm on your team next week. You don't want to miss next week. Okay, you trust me on that one. The third one is to fight fair. Okay, now I can't tell you that we can get fights out of your relationship because relationships have conflict. But I can tell you that all fights don't necessarily have to to lead to destruction. They can actually be very constructive if you fight fair. And God and God's Word has a lot to say about conflict and conflict resolution. The fourth week we're going to talk about staying pure. There's no way your marriage, there's no way any of your relationships are going to make it if you fall into the same vile, disgusting lifestyle that the world has accepted as normal. It's just not going to happen. We've got to stay pure. You'll go down like the rest of them if you don't. In the fifth week, we're going to talk about how to never give up. We're going to talk about endurance and how we can really, really live out this until death do us part, part. I had a lady say, really, until death do us part? I'm like, that's what the vow says. Are you ready to make that commitment? She said, so I can't divorce him, but I can kill him? I said, I guess, yeah, that's, (laughs) no, no, no. (laughs) That's not what that means. We'll talk about that in week number five. But I want you to say this out loud with me. I know you might not be able to read it, but if you can, say it real loud, because some people beside you might not be able to read it. Uh, The first one, we're going to seek God. Second week, we're going to have fun. Third week, fight fair. Fourth week, stay pure. And fifth, we're going to. Never give up from this day forward. And if we'll do that, I promise you, you're going to increase your odds. You're going to, that's where we're headed. And again, I really show you that, but that's God's standard. That's, that's God's way of changing your odds. Today, let's talk about the topic of seeking God. And I absolutely love the first verse I'm going to show you. This is Matthew 6.33. In fact, I think this verse does a really good job of summarizing this entire Bible. Matthew 6.33, it says, I'm going to seek God. First, his kingdom. I'm going to seek first. Let me just kind of paraphrase that. I'm I'm going to go after all things God. I'm going to make that my priority. My first thing, I'm going to go after all things God. And then watch what happens. Check it out. God gets involved. And there are some even Christians in the room that would say, God's not actively involved in my life because we haven't made him first. You say, "Read. how do I get the power of God operating in my life situations? Well, seek first him and his kingdom and what happens is all these things will be given to you as well so this is this is what jesus is basically saying he said if you seek me first all that stuff that you worry about i'll take care of all that but if you want to take care of all that on your own then basically what you're doing is you're opting out of the power of god in your life so seek me first so how does this relate to relationships well a lot of people make this mistake, especially singles. By the way, if you're single in the room, um, every single week we're going to apply some of these principles to you. Okay, So don't feel like, oh great, I don't come to church for the next six weeks. No, we got stuff for you, I promise. A lot of this is for you. Every week we'll apply these principles. But I hear this all the time from, from singles. Pastor Reed, will you pray for me? I, I'm I'm just I'm looking for the one. I'm trying to find my person. Right? I hear that all the time. Or, or I know they watch too many movies when they say something like that. I'm trying to find a person to complete me. Translation, they're, uh, they feel incomplete and they're looking for someone to come along beside them and complete them. Okay, and That's actually a very flawed concept because no one can complete you. Even married couples, a lot of us get married literally idolizing our spouses. Oh my goodness, you're so incredible. And listen, if you, if you idolize anyone or anything, you will eventually demonize that thing. Or that person. Let me say that again. If you idolize anyone, you'll eventually demonize that person. Why? Because that person was never intended to carry the weight that you're asking them to carry. That's why the only one that's worth idolizing is God. They're, they're, you're asking them to play a role they were never intended to play. I've seen it over and over and over. The very thing that you appreciated about that person when you felt, Oh, I just love him. Oh, he's just so laid back. just so kind and friendly. And ten years later, he is a bump on a log, right? It's the thing that you loved about him that now you hate about him. She's so detail-oriented and organized. Ten years later, she's a control freak, right? We've seen it happen. right? So what do we do about it? Well, you got to understand that you cannot let people be in a position only God is intended to be. Truth be known, one of the primary reasons we have failed relationships is because we're expecting people to do something that only God can do and the reason you're expecting it from them is because you really don't have it from your God because if you really had it from your God, you wouldn't need it from somebody else. That's good preaching right there. Like that That's what you're doing, you're trying to find it and and that's not a role they were intended to play. So here's the principle of the message, jot this down and that is God is my one and my spouse is my two. God is my one and my spouse is my two. I'm seeking God. I'm going after God. What does that really mean? Apply that for me, Reed. Okay, so let me apply it first to those of you who are not married yet. In fact, can we just get this out of the way? How many of you are you? You're here today and you say, you know what, Reed? I'm not married, but I hope to be married someday. Would you stick your hand up? Way high? Come on. Let me see you. I know you're out there. Come on. You're not married, but you like to be married someday. Higher. Come on. Throw them up there. All right. Look around. Look around. Look around. Hey, I'm just helping you out. That's your candidate pool right there. Come on, somebody. Hey, if y'all get married, I helped you out, so you name your first kid's middle name Reed, and if it's a girl, Reed, okay, I'll take it. But listen, it it happens for, for single people, so yeah, a lot of you are seeking your person, you're seeking the one, and I want you to make this commitment, I will seek the one while I'm preparing for my two. That's what I want you to do, I want to seek the one while I prepare for my two. That's the commitment you need to make today. God is my one and my two. I'm not really focusing on that person right now. I'm just focusing on on the one. And here's what's going to happen. As you're continually calling out and getting closer to God, you'll discover two things are going to happen. First, you'll become very attractive to those that are looking for a spouse because you weren't looking for someone. You were actually becoming the person that you're trying to find yourself. Instead of looking for Mr. Right or looking for Mrs. Right, you're becoming Right. Right? And that's kind of attractive. And the other thing that's going to happen is that God, his power starts going into motion. That's kind of what happened for me, if I can be honest. I was dating a girl in high school. I was a junior in high school. She was a senior. Um, she went off to college, and we mutually agreed we probably should just break up. And the thought was, you're going to do college things. I'm going to continue to do high school things. And if the Lord carries and tarries, maybe we would get back together when I graduated a year from now. And that was kind of it was understood. That's fine. So in September of my senior year, one of my good girlfriends said, who are you going to take to homecoming? I said, I don't have, because that girl wasn't going with me. And I'm like, I don't really, I don't want to go. And she said, you've got to go. You'll regret it for the rest of your life. And so um, I said, fine, hook me up with one of your girlfriends, but make sure they're cute. And uh, so she was a cheerleader. And she asked, a lot of you know, uh, Vanessa Freeman at the time, Vanessa Smith, Nathan and Vanessa are good friends of ours. Uh, but Vanessa was my homecoming date that, that night. That night, I took Vanessa. She was a freshman. I was a senior. And, and we, we go to homecoming together. And there's a homecoming dance, you know. And so we're at the dance. And I see all of her friends. And they're wallflowers. They're just standing on the wall. And so I thought, I'm going to be the cool guy and go ask all the girls to dance. So I got all the girls on the dance floor, all of the freshman girls, except one. JC. <laughs> and so... I grabbed her like this, and I'm trying to be cute, you know, and I'm like, come on. And I grabbed her hands, and she put her claws in my skin and left claw marks. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. she's playing hard to get. So there was something about her. I was like, I'm not done with you. So, so about a month later, I asked her to lunch, and we started going to lunch. And then I said, I'm going to take her on a date. So I took her to Taco John's. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and then we went and saw it's Cinema 1 and 2. We saw Babe Pig in the City uh, as our first date. That'll do, pig. That'll do. That's what, that was our first date. And I thought this will last about three weeks and this will be a ton of fun. And uh, actually, about a month later, I said, uh, for the first time to any girl I'd ever dated, I said, I love you. I knew there was something different about her. And I'd always heard that, that you'll just know I hated that. You'll just know. I just knew there was something different. And I think the thing that I... I love most about J.C. is she's the first girl that I dated that was spiritually stronger than I was. And that just turned me up. <laughs> like, huh. I, like I, I wanted to become a better follower of Jesus because she was such a strong follower of Jesus. She was way more mature for her age, and uh, that was 22 years ago. And, and uh, now she's my wife and the mother of my kids, and I, I, she's, she's the best person on the planet. I love being married to her. I'm married to my best friend. And she is a great friend, and I, I just, I'm crazy about her. I'm more crazy about her today than I was any point in our past. I love my wife. But I wasn't really looking for a wife. I was just looking for some fun for a couple of weeks. And then here we are 22 years later, and, like, I, I can't imagine my life any other way. But I was just focusing on God, and, and then she, and she wasn't looking for me either. I, she wasn't. And, and, and God just kind of brought you together. That's what happens when you focus on your one while you're preparing for your two. So what about married people? How does this principle apply to you? If you're married, here it is, I will seek the one with my two. And that's a big deal because a lot of Christian couples, you have these individual walks with God. You're going to church occasionally together, but you really don't seek God together. And I going to show you how to do that today. And I just want to say very plainly to you that if you're married and you have a relationship with your wife and with God, you occasionally go to church... I'm just telling you, your odds are about in the 50-50 pile. Christians and non-Christians, it's about the same, 50-50 odds. If that's, if that's your M.O. and you come to church with your wife every once in a while, or your husband every once in a while, and you're not actively seeking God together, you got about a 50-50 shot of making this thing work. The same number are getting divorced if they miss the principle of seeking God with your two. And for some of us, that's a whole different application Because you're seeking the one, God is your one, you're going after God, but your spouse is not your two. Your kids are your two, or your career is your two, or your hobbies are your two. There's something else that's taken the place of who should be the second priority person in your life, which is your spouse. So you need to start seeking your spouse with the time, energy, affection, money, those kinds of things. Today I want to help you. I want to give you some tools. So whether you're single or married, how do you seek God together with somebody else? Whether you're single and just growing in God or married and trying to seek God together with your two. There are three principles that are found in God's word. And are you ready for this? This is so cool. At the Harvard School, the Harvard School of Public Health affirmed works. I love that. When God's word says something and then science or data backs up what God's word has already said is true. Don't you just love that? A Harvard study revealed, this is a quote, only one out of 1246 couples got a divorce if they did just three simple things that are all found in God's word by the way so before I give them to you I just want you to soak that in if I said hey um, you can get on this plane you got a 50-50 odds of of landing the plane 50-50 odds of going down or you can get on this plane and only one in 1246 planes crashes you would do everything you could to get on that plane right I, I, yeah, I want that plane. I don't want the 50-50 plane. I want the 1 in 1,246. Those odds are dramatically better. And again, Harvard has backed up. This This is great. And these are going to stretch you. Some of these are difficult. They may be even a bit uncomfortable. But it's worth it to add these to your life because if they improve my odds that much, and Harvard affirmed them, that that's, that's, that's something I want to do. Here's the first one. Is that a couple that prays together stays together you got to pray together. Now, I know prayer is one of those Christian disciplines that um, everybody knows they should do, but people don't feel comfortable doing it publicly. When we do 14 days of prayer and fasting, I have everybody at the end come up here, and we all pray out loud, and everybody prays out loud like this. Dear Lord, I thank you so much. I mean, it's like like the softest praying out loud ever. Like, it's hard to do that. I get that. It's hard to pray out loud because we feel like our, our faith should be private. I should keep my faith private. In fact, the world even tells you those things. Hey, I, I'm, in, I'm, I'm okay with you getting involved in things in society. Just don't, don't bring your faith into it. Keep your faith private. Listen, faith is not meant to be kept private. It's intended to be public. That's one of, that's one of the reasons we do baptism. By the way, in two weeks we're going to do baptism. And if you've recently placed your faith in Jesus Christ, that's what we're doing. And you're laying down the old life. And you're being raised to newness of life. That's what 2 Corinthians 5 says. I, I want the world to know that the old reed is gone and the new reed is come. And I'm, I'm identifying myself with Christ. I'm making a public declaration of my internal association. So it's supposed to be this public thing. And yet so many of us we, we, we feel like prayer should be private. Really, the action of faith works best, not when you do it between you and God, but when you involve other people. Look at James 5:16. It says, therefore, confess your sins. And by the way, sins here is not just mistakes. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about uh, any place where you have a problem. So let's just read it that way. Confess your problems. Confess the things that you're praying about, the things on your prayer list. Confess that stuff. And not just to God, but confess it to each other. Okay, so I need somebody else to pray with me and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You need to find people who know what you're praying for. I want, you to, I want you to pray with me. I want you to agree with me. That's why we do the prayer time. Confess it to each other. Pray for each other. I intentionally highlighted those two times because it says, hey, if you want prayer to work, God is an each other kind of God. He's not a you and God kind of God. That, he does that too. But he says, I really, if you really want the prayer to be powerful and effective, if you, who wants an effective prayer life? He says, you've got to get with other people. I want you to be in each other kind of prayer. And so get with somebody and pray. And that's where, again, you seek God together and you pray together. That's what we want. So what, how does that look like? What does that look like? Again, part of my job on Sunday is not just to come up here and say, start praying together, to which all the guys are going, oh, man. All the ladies are going, oh, yay. Like, I know. It's hard. I get it. Praying together doesn't mean you have to wake up early and spend your personal time with God together. JC and I do not do that if that makes you feel any better. Okay, I have my personal time with the Lord. She has her personal time with the Lord. So we don't necessarily pray together in the morning, every morning. Okay, We do that sometimes. But, but And there are couples that do that. And if you do that, keep going. If it's working for you, keep going. But all throughout the day, we're saying, hey, would you pray for me? Yeah. And we'll just pray right then. Or like Friday, she had to go out of town to do some work. And I was praying for her all throughout the day. Saying, God, keep her safe on the roads. I know they're not entirely safe yeah. just keep her safe on the roads or she knows I have a big counseling appointment and I'm you know there's consternation I'm thinking about it and she just I'm, let me, I'm gonna pray for you she sends me a text I'm praying for you so we're not praying together but we're praying together does that make sense every night we get together with our kids and we pray as a family together that's the time we do like a corporate prayer all of us together I'm just saying do something start something all right, when I say pray together, I'm saying bring prayer into your relationship. And every one of you can do that from this day forward. Just start. Just try. Even if it's at the dinner table, um, just take your memorized grandpa prayer. You know what I'm talking about? That Papa taught you. Uh, Lord, thank you for this food. Bless it to the nourishment of our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. Just take it a step further from that and say, Lord, be with my kids. Bless my family. Thank you for my wife. You're such a good God. Turn this meatloaf into something tasty. Just take it a step further, whatever that is. just Right? Find your comfort zone and then take it like one step further. Whatever your comfort zone is, that's fine. Just push yourself out of the comfort zone and go, I'm going to pray. If it's just a text, hey, I am praying for you. Because the couple that prays together stays together. Now, a warning to singles. I think it's very healthy for you to have a prayer life that involves other people also. You need this verse as well. But do it in public places. If you're dating someone, don't pray together alone. And don't pray together alone, especially on a sofa. Just don't do that. <laughs> You'll start speaking in tongues and not the holy kind. Okay, just don't do that. Um, <laughs> I'm mean, being a little funny. But in all seriousness, prayer, prayer is a very intimate and very bonding thing. If you join hands with somebody and you pray privately, I'm telling you, something spiritual takes place in your hearts. Which, by the way, is another case for why you couples need to do that. Guys, hey, listen to me. Turn your ears up. Guys, you want to do something that's really attractive for your lady? Grab her by the hand and say a 10-second prayer over her. Ladies, back me up. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Right? There's something very spiritual, there's something very bonding about praying for each other. That's why, against singles, you just got to be very careful, okay? All right, that's the first one. Second, you got to, again, Harvard affirmed this. Harvard, God's been saying this forever. If you want to change your odds, we're going to go from this day forward to discussing the Bible together. And again, J.C. and I do not read the Bible together. I know some of you do. You get get your one-year study Bible, you get your coffee, and you you read that together. That's awesome. I'm not saying you have to do that. Just I read my Bible, she reads her Bible. Uh, But here's how we really practice this in our family. It's in Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. It says, these commandments, the Bible, that I, this is God speaking, God, give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your kids. Impress them on your children. How do we do that, God? Talk about them. When you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. So we decided as a family, instead of having a formal Bible devotion time, hey, it's Message Monday, everybody gather around, we're going to look at the Word. We don't do that, okay? Again, I'm not knocking you if you do. If it works for you, awesome. Great, go for it. But what we do is we just talk about it. It's in our discussions every day. So one day this week, Zach came home and um, we're in the car. I said, "How'd, how'd things go today? And he says, well, I think I lost a friend. What happened? Long story short, he had an idea that another kid was going to execute because he didn't have the, the tools to execute the idea. And I'll be honest with you, it wasn't that great of an idea. Um, <laughs> I told him that too. And, but he, he wanted credit. I want credit for that. And, and he goes, so we got in a fight about credit. He goes, well, I'm, I'm building the thing. I'm going to get the credit. And Zach goes, well, it my idea. I get the credit. It was credit, 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 credit. And I'm like, listen, what are you doing? I said, do you know what your dad wants on his epitaph when I die on my tombstone? I want Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before men that they may see my good deeds. They don't praise me. They praise my Father in heaven. That's what I want. I want people to look at me and go, Jesus is good. That's what I want. And I said, who cares about credit, son? You're going to lose a friend over credit? Over credit. He just, right? Last night he was kind of complaining about something. I said, hey, Philippians 2, Paul says do everything without complaining and arguing. And he did that from a Roman jail cell. Like, what are you doing, man? Stop complaining. Stop complaining about the problem. Go fix the problem. So we're just constantly talking about it. He was on the bed last night. We were in the truck on Tuesday. We're just constantly talking about the word. And so, again, discuss the Bible together. That's a, re- a really good application for this is to get into a small group. Like a small group is so much more than just meeting with people or eating Doritos or, or uh, another busy thing on your already busy calendar. Like, this is good, but this is me talking to 400 collective people today. This is not God's best. God's best is, hey, I was, I was thinking about what Pastor Reed said, and we tried to apply that at our house, and it's not working. And somebody else jumps in, well, this is how we do it, and it's really rocking our lives. Hey, that's a really good suggestion. And you're discussing the Bible together. That's the heart of small groups, is you're talking about God's Word together. And I would encourage you to do that. It'll change your odds dramatically. Again, Harvard affirmed this. God's been saying it forever. Here's the third one, and is that we we attend church together. We attend church together. You say, Pastor Reed, move on. We're already here. We got this one down pat. Let me take it a step further, take it up another level. I would encourage you to attend church together faithfully. To faithfully do it. Right? And, and, And let me just say to you, if you're here today... I'm going to give you a suggestion, and you talk about it with your family. This is your business, not my own. But I would love for you as a family to go. You know what? We're going to be a we don't miss church kind of family. Like we're going to be there because there's so many of us that it's it's if it's if it's convenient. Like if we had Wednesday today, right? I don't, the weather's bad. I won't to go to church, right? Or. Or, or if the weather's gonna be, or if we're out of town, or if we don't have a game, or if there's not a game on TV, right, then we'll go. No, it's, I'm, I want to go to church. Like, we're going to go to church. That's what we do. And in our family, we go to church, and all the other stuff we build around the church. I grew up that way. I mean, that's, that's how I was raised. I was always in the church. I, I rarely miss church when I was sick. When I was sick, my mom said, well, you didn't throw up. But my mom, I'm sick. She goes, no, if you didn't throw up, we're going to go to church. And then I throw up. She goes, don't you feel better? Let's go to church. Right? Like, it's like, it's always, we're going to church. It was always going to And listen, I go to church. And my sisters and their families go to church. And my kids go to church. They love the church. My youngest son, who's on the autism spectrum, sat here this week. And he goes, I really love this place. Man, that blessed our hearts. To hear him say that. Listen to me. Stay-at-home parents don't raise go-to-church kids. Oh, I'm stepping on some toes. I love you. Listen, if you want your, you, you, but you got to change. You can't say well, we're going to be a go-to-church family and then you don't get up and go to church. Like, just say, you know what, we're going to be faithfully committed to attending church. Like, we go to church. I remember Caleb party. Where's your hand, Caleb? Caleb Hurley and I skipped choir, pra- choir practice at the church. Woo. Choir practice, and we would have got away with it. We were playing a new video game, it had just come out, we were so excited. And we would have got away with it, except my mother ran into the music minister, Gerald Garner, at the grocery store. And he said, "Miss Reed at choir tonight. And she came home, and my mother drew horns. And she's like, <laughs> Caleb, go home. I mean, it was like the worst. I was like, what happened? It's the maddest I've ever seen my mother. Like, you don't miss choir, right? I was like... Was the worst <laughs> we didn't miss church we we're in church you attend church faithfully together you decide that we're gonna go look at Luke four sixteen. and listen I, I'm not I'm not just saying this because I, I want you like we're doing okay we're growing we've grown a lot this year I'm not doing this because I, I'm I'm interested in attendance I'm interested in changing your odds okay listen to Luke four sixteen. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He wasn't thinking, I I think I'll go to church today. No, no, no. That's what we do. It's it's what we do. It's the custom. We go to church. What would it look like if you just made that a priority? We're going to go to church. That's what we do. I'm going to tell you what would happen. Your odds will begin to change. You change your odds. Why? Let me close with this verse. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord, I'm sorry that's so dark, unless the Lord is in your relationships, is in your marriage, is in your kids, unless the Lord is involved, and you can read all the books that you want to read, you can go to as many counseling sessions as you want to, you're laboring in vain. you got to get the Lord involved. Listen to me, you got to get God involved in your marriage. Neither one of you are good enough to make this thing work on your own. Can I say neither one of you are attractive enough to keep the other one? Because we all sin, we all fall short of the glory of God. We live in a fallen world, and one of you will fall. I need a, a supernatural, divine intervention happening in my marriage. Two are better than one. They have a good return for their work, right? But I want that third strand cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I want God in the middle of my marriage binding my wife and I together. So what are we going to do? Well, from this day forward, we just live a different way. What is that? Here's the last phrase and we'll close. The number one essential of healthy relationships is those who decide to live a God-first life. It changes everything. Listen to me. Listen to me. Leave the past in the past. Okay? Love keeps no record of wrongs. You can't fix the past. Stop talking about the past. Let's leave the last decade in the last decade. we got 40 days into a brand new year and a brand new decade. It's a new year. It's a new marriage. Okay? From this day forward, we're going to see God. We're going to pray together. We're going to get in God's word together. And we're going to attend church faithfully together so that our odds are not in the 50-50 pile, but we're in the 1 in 1246 pile we are going to make it. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus all over this room. There's a lot of couples some dating, some married, some singles who again are focusing on you while they look for their two. And God just being here for the past Nine, ten months, it's, I've seen um, a lot of these couples in my office, and I love them so much. But we've got we to get the first things first. Seek first you, your kingdom, your righteousness, and everything else, including our marriages, will be added to us if we, if we really put you first. God, I pray that we would pray together. God, I pray that we would impress this this. Bible this holy word on our children that we talk about it we discuss it in our home we talk about it while we're going down the road we talk about it while we're lying in bed we talk about the Bible and and we would attend church faithfully we would seek you first and watch our odds dramatically improve father there's people that are watching online right now or watching on cable channel TV that needed to hear this message God I pray they would seek you first they would seek you first and for some people in the room, it's difficult to seek you first relationally because they've never seek, sought you first personally. They've never had a moment in their life where they completely surrendered their lives to you. And I want to give them an opportunity to do that today. So right now, I'm not going to make you stand up or come down to the front. I just want to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus Christ. He died for your sins. And if you put your faith in him, your, your sins are all forgiven. And not only can marriage start, but, but your whole life can restart from this day forward. And so if that's you, and you know that I'm talking to you, the Holy Spirit of God is reaching you right now saying, Reed, I, I, I need Jesus. I need a relationship with Jesus. I need to seek God pers- personally myself. I want to pray a prayer. Nothing magical about this prayer. Just be sincere It's the only real thing. You can just pray this with me. Just say something like, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I believe that you came to earth to die for my sins I believe you were buried and that God raised you from the dead and I put my faith in you today I'm asking you to forgive all of my sins past present and future and you lead my life and I'm gonna seek you first tell them that I'm gonna seek you first From this day forward, in Jesus' name.